Hey everyone, it's Pastor Eddie from River of Life. Just want to say thank you for joining us on our podcast. Now let's get ready to hear a word from the Lord today. What does God want to speak to our hearts today? So come on, open your Bibles, open your hearts, and let's get into the Word. Amen. Well, today is, ha- is Mother's Day, as you're going to hear that all day, which is rightfully so. Moms deserve all the praise and recognition we can give them, right? Right? And we've got also one thing we love to do on Mother's Day uh, or in the month of May. We've done it for two Sundays this year just because of scheduling. Uh, it, but we want to dedicate some babies. What a better, awesome way for Mother's Day. So we have one uh, little precious baby girl, uh, River Marie Long. So why don't you guys come on up? And we are going to dedicate her unto the Lord. Hallelujah. River Marie Long. I, I love that name. How about that? Amen. River. Amen. Uh, precious little girl to the Long family. And family, if you want to come up, anyone else in the family that want to take pictures, come on up. Feel free to do that. And we've got people watching online. Yeah, you guys come right up here and just stand right here. I want to read this over. Oh, my goodness. Look at her. Look at those cheeks. Woo. Awesome. Look at, hey, what's up? All right. Um, So today in God's word, we find several accounts of children being dedicated to God. And so we come here today to ask God's special blessing upon the long home as they welcome in a new addition from God is Little River Marie Long. And we ask God's blessing upon her and upon the family. Josh and Taylor, God has graciously given you Little River, and she belongs to you, but in a greater way, she belongs to God. He has given both of you the task of caring for her, for her physical needs, clothing, food, and shelter, love, and discipline. But even more importantly, you have also been given the responsibility of caring for her spiritual needs, because we are more than just physical, we are spiritual. I therefore charge you, uh, both parents, according to Deuteronomy 6, that You first love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, and mind, which I know you do. Secondly, to impress this love upon River uh, as you sit with her in the house, as you walk by the way, as you lie down, and as you rise up. We, uh, River of Life, I love to charge us as a church family as well that it is God's plan that the church and the home unite to help train up a child in the way that they should go so that when they reach the age of understanding that they will personally, she will personally accept Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior and then she will be ready for Christian baptism. River of Life, we stand ready to assist you, Josh and Taylor, in the Long family and in your home in every way that we can to help teach her with knowledge and grace that she would also grow as a children of faith as she grows to be a young woman. Do you agree with that, River of Life? Amen. Amen. Well, why don't you uh, reach your hand this way? I want to see if I can try to hold her. I love to just try to hold them and pray over them. Oh, boy. She's a little hefty. I don't know where she gets that from, Josh. Look at her. Look at me. Amen. Can you anoint her, honey? Uh, And we are just going to bless her. She is just adorable. Look at her. Look at those cheeks. Amen. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for this precious gift, River, that you have brought to the Long family along with 
two boys, two brothers, and you have blessed this family. I thank you for Josh and Taylor. I thank you for what examples they are as godly parents, hardworking parents who serve here in the ministry and girls' ministry on the cleaning team, Taylor does. Lord, I thank you for the ministries that she is involved with. Thank you, God, for, for Josh walking as a man of grace and integrity and a hardworking man, providing for his home, standing in faith right along Taylor. I thank you for this home. Father, we pray a blessing on her. We dedicate her today right back into your hands. And ask for your presence and your protection to be upon her. Let your grace be on her. Cause your face to shine upon her, Lord, and her coming in and her going out. That you would protect her in her health, mind, body, and soul. Father, that she would grow to be, Lord, a woman of faith. She would come to know you, Lord, and grow in that grace. We bless her, Lord, today in Jesus' name. Amen. That's my cue. Okay. Amen. Okay, Mother's Day, yeah, I love it. Amen. Thank you, guys. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I love that. Amen. Let's go right into our offering at this time. And um, thank you for your faithful giving as we uh, continue to move forward. We've been having some problems. I'll bring this up to you. Uh, church family, we've been having some issues with our sound and our media tech. In fact, we were not able to live stream last week, and I believe Facebook is struggling right now, but we are on YouTube, so if you got some friends that are watching the service and they're blowing your phone up right now, uh, we do got several out today as well, still dealing, we're dealing with the, with the COVID situation, and, and I know um, it's just, it is what it is, but uh, we've got several doing that as well, so they're watching from home, but we need to upgrade some of our tech and uh, we're in the process of doing that, and this is where our tithes and offering comes to help with that. So I want to bring that before the church, and thank you so much for your faithfulness. It's able, it enable us to, to make these purchases and things like that. Uh, so let's just uh, pray right now over our offering. There are four ways to give. As you know, uh, if you're here in the building, you can use an envelope there on the back of the chairs. Grab it, fill it out accordingly. On the way out, put it into the uh, bucket there. Our ushers are there to collect it. Um, and let's just pray over our finances. I hope you do this at home as well. Pray over your finances every week. Uh, we live in some trying times, but God is our source. We don't trust in our resources. We thank God for our jobs. Those are resources. But our source is God. Why? Because God owns it all. Come on, Pentecostals. Wake up today. Amen. He owns it all. And so we just are good stewards of what he has given us. And now uh, we trust God in the area of our finances. And so, Father, we hold in our hand what represents our finances, whether we are giving right now or we've given God electronically through this week. God, you bless us in many different ways. We thank you for all the ways you bless us. And God, we just right now give back unto you, Lord, what is yours. We honor you with the first fruits of all of our possessions which welcomes in your blessing into our storehouse. I pray, God, that you would help us to move forward with the purchasing of equipment that we need to reach the community and the people that you have, God, uh, allowed us to influence. And we thank you for that. I pray a blessing on every person under the umbrella of River of Life, God, in the area of their finances, every business owner, every person in between jobs, everyone needing a better job, God. I pray that it would come to your people first, Lord. And I bless them and I thank you for them today in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. 
Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Steve, for the worship. How many of you uh, love the worship today? How many appreciative of our worship team every week, week in, week out? It's a great church. I love what God is doing, pulling up to the property, seeing how awesome the property is. A shout out to all of the guys that help work, Roger and AJ and, and Frank and all you guys that help the house of God look as well as it does. And thank you so much for all of that. Um, I want to... Got a lot, another thing I wanted to pray for today, uh, we are, it's Mother's Day, we celebrate moms, we also celebrate life on Mother's Day, and we got a little bit of a culture war going on, and uh, here at River of Life, we, we stand up and we, uh, we fight again, we're called to arise and shine, and come against darkness, and we know that um, there is a battle going on with uh, the overturning of Roe versus Wade, and I just wanted us to to pray today as a church and keep that in prayer and uh, just bring this to your attention. That's what Mother's Day is, is we celebrate life, right? Moms are the origin of families. Did you know that in Bibles? I know it takes husbands and wives. That's God's design is, is uh, male and female genders to procreate, but mom is the one that incubates. Mom's the one that carries the baby, amen? Moms are always in scripture uh, looked at as the origin of life. It's the mom that lights the candle in the Passover meal because she's the one that brings the, the, the home, brings the uh, heart into the home. And so there, it's all of that. And so I think it's important that we, we stand for that. Uh, 63 million babies have been aborted since Roe versus Wade. And uh, we today, I just want to just make it plain, we at River of Life, we stand for life. We believe in life begins at conception. And we believe life is all the way, amen, from conception to you take your last breath. And we are the church, and we're called to be involved in all of that. And I know many people would say, well, the church needs to help step up in these other areas with, with drug abuse and alcohol abuse and, and human trafficking and foster care and adoption. Well, we do. The church uh, needs to improve, and we are moving in that direction. In fact, at our men's conference, at our men's conference last weekend, we were at Brightmoor, and they stopped the conference and brought up a man who attends there at Brightmore. He's also involved with legislation in the state of Michigan. And he is currently working to change some laws in the foster care system. And I love what he said. He said, we're going to foster, we're going to adopt, but until the laws change, we're not going to see much change and happening. Well, I want you to know it is happening right now in our Michigan legislation. The church is stepping in and trying to bring some change even in those areas. We as the church, we support Life Challenge. We support missionaries that help rescue girls and women that are involved in human trafficking. Life Challenge helps people who are addicted with drugs and alcohol and life's hurts and hangups. The church is involved in all areas. And so, uh, but we want to stand and pray together that God, we would see righteousness prevail in our, in our nation when it comes to the saving and protecting the lives of the unborn. Amen? Psalms 139 says that we were formed in our mother's womb and that God knows us and he put us together and I was fearfully and wonderfully made. So God knows us from the, from the moment that life begins. And this is a battle church and we as a church are called to arise and shine, call to, to pray for this, pray that these laws will change and, and whatever's going to happen, we need to also stand ready to um, assist whenever we can. Amen? So having said that, uh, I, let's all stand, open your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Uh, I want to finish, uh, if you're joining us for the first time, I'm going to wrap up a series that we've been in. It's called God Owns It All. It's a stewardship series. 
and uh, just blesses my heart to see our church uh, growing in so many ways, uh, not only numerically, but maturely, spiritually mature, and that's just why we're here. And stewardship it does that. When you start growing and trusting God with your finances, your time, and your talents, and, and all these things, you begin to see God's blessing there. We talked about, we've been in this family lane for the last couple of weeks, talked about uh, sexual identity, our identity, marriage, uh, and, and again, today on Mother's Day, I wanted to talk about being a good steward of our children. Our children are a gift from God, and we look at Deuteronomy 6, and we find instructions of how to raise our children. This is another situation in our culture. We don't back down from these. We address them right here in the pulpit. We talk about them because that's what the church is called to do. And another thing we've got going on in our culture is what to teach our six-year-olds. It's like, this is the thing. Just uh, over the, this past week, New Jersey passed a law in the school district uh, that they can teach the six-year-olds. I don't know what it is with the six-year-olds, but to teach them about gender uh, information and tell them all about that. And, and parents are rightfully so just outraged at that, saying, listen, let us handle that at home. So they're, they're in a battle, and this is, this is happening everywhere we go. So, in light of all of that, I thought I would title today's message, What Six-Year-Olds Need to Know. And I hope this catches people on our YouTube when they're searching for this topic. They come across River of Life, because I'm going to address it, because I'm going to show you that 5,000 years ago, God instructed us what we should be telling our six-year-olds. It's amazing. Uh, but this isn't just for six-year-olds, this is for all of us. So, if you got your Bibles, go to Deuteronomy chapter 6, and I'm going to see how much I can get through with this today. We are going to read what is called in Judaism, uh, Judaism, the Shema, S-H-E-M-A, the Shema. These are what the Jewish people and those practicing Orthodox Judaism, uh, look at this prayer. It's one of the most holiest and prayers of all scripture. Uh, they pray this twice a day. This is the, also given at last rites when a person is passing. This is a holy scripture. This is equivalent to the Lord's Prayer in Christian t tradition, what we're getting ready to read. And God really wanted his people, us, all people, to get this in our hearts and know what this is. So if you don't have this memorized or never heard of it, uh, you need to, but I'm sure you will recognize it because Jesus reiterated it as being the greatest commandment above all. Are you ready? Verse, chapter 6, verse 1. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your what? Be in your what? Be on your head. Be in your head. In your heart. In your heart. God has always, always wanted a people that want to serve him from a willing heart. Just like we want our kids to love us. You don't want to make your kids love you, right? What if your mom came up on Mother's Day and said, here, mama, dad told me to give you this. We would be like, dad, thank you. But man, we want our kids to naturally want to give. That's the same heart God has here. He says, man, I just, I'm, so I'm going to make it a commandment that they would love me with all of their heart, mind, body, and soul. Then, you can even write the word then after the word heart because it flows in the original language like this. Then you shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, 
when you rise up, when you go on vacation, when you go camping, when you go fishing, when you go walking and you see the beautiful colors here in Michigan, spring is coming up, the tulips and all of the talk about God about that. When you go on vacation, you see the oceans, you see the world. When you go to the zoo, you see the animals. When you, when you get a good report from the hospital, you want to tell your kids, talk about me to your children. When you rise up, when you sit in the house, when you walk around, don't leave it for just river kids on Sunday. We all agree with that. You shall bind them as a sign on your, on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Thank you, Lord, for your word. We ask your blessing upon our time together, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You may be seated. Moms, mothers, dad, you want to recognize I got three special moms now in my life. My mother, who I got all dressed up for today, and she's not able to be here today. Uh, she's home, she's feeling better, but she was kind of sick, battling some things this week, but uh, I know she's watching online. Happy Mother's Day to my mom, and, and our founding first lady, a pastor for River of Life, amen? Um, amen, yeah, give her some love today, let her hear you at home. My wife, of course, our first lady of our church, amen? Honor you, love you, babe. And newest mom in my life is Miranda, my youngest, who is getting ready to preach. you're a mom. How many know if you are pregnant, you are a mom? And so that's a that little guy is getting bigger and bigger, and we watched him uh, kind of jump around in there and uh, rearrange furniture. That's what he's doing right now. So uh, it's a blessing. But I'm going to ask our moms today. There was a survey I saw this week, what moms prefer, and it said that most moms prefer to spend time with family more than gifts. I, I don't know. I just want to know how many moms here would say that you, you, would, you would prefer time over gifts? How many moms are like that? How many would say, give me the gifts? I'm tired of this family. Amen. No, no. Amen. Amen. How many say both? Oh, oh no. Time is that? Okay. Wow. Okay. Awesome. Well, if you are buying a gift for mom, the average price to buy a gift for mom is $200. Dads are $175. Just throwing it out there. That's next month. So I'm just going to get you ready now. Mom's $200. Uh, That's if you're going to spend a gift. But the most popular gift given to moms is what? Flowers. Specifically our roses, specifically red and white roses. Amen. So there you go. Uh, So since time is valuable, I am going to make this short today. Amen? I'm going to let you out early. Tell someone the pastor's lying in the pulpit. No, he's not. Uh, I want to get into this today and talk about uh, what to teach our kids and look at Deuteronomy 6 because we, enti- we are entrusted with our children. They are a gift from God. And uh, moms do always have a special bond with children. They just do. I, I mean, we all know that. And, uh, but it does, you know, parents, being a parent can be a scary thing. About 30 years ago, there was a book entitled uh, Parenting Takes Courage. Uh, how many know it takes courage to be a parent? Uh, it, it's, it's probably one of the scariest things that I've ever encountered. I've been in some scary situations in my life. Seriously, uh, life-threatening and just crazy times that I won't tell you about. But to be honest with you, when, when we had our first child, uh, Felicia, my oldest daughter, when she was born, it was, I, I was not ready for that. I was barely 20 years old. We were just kids. And I, I can still remember how nervous, how afraid I was. It's, it, it's just a... It's a big deal. I mean, when you are responsible to raise a, a human being, um, I, I don't know. And many times this causes 
people to kind of shift their priorities. I believe that God gives us kids as one of the tools that teaches us how to not be selfish. I, I just really, there is something that happens when you get a child under your, your care, whether you are biologically the parent or a foster parent or a grandparent and you whatever, there is something that just changes in you. God designed it that way. And, and I remember being so young, was not ready to be a dad. I was so, I was terrified. Uh, Felicia was born October 30th. Uh, and October 30th, well, I grew up, that was uh, back in the, that was Devil's Night. And so I was like, God, my first child is going to be on Devil's Night, please. I, this is before I had Christ. I was superstitious. Maybe little stitious, not superstitious. <laughs> But I remember that was just like not a good thing to have. So I was just, I had all that going on. Um, we, it was, it gets dark early that time of year. Melinda was in labor. We were in the hospital. It was raining. It was dark. It was cold. <laughs> uh, Melinda was in labor for 13 hours. 13 hours. And uh, I was just terrified. My sister-in-law was there, one of Melinda's sisters. At the time, we were not getting along. Uh, but we are now friends, amen, and then if you're watching, we, we're best friends, amen, Love, no, we, we get along great, back in the day, we did not, uh, and so that was happening, um, and I remember our doctor showed up, and he came, our doctor's name was Dr. Korvich, and I was so nervous, I told my boss that the doctor's here, Dr. Kevorkian is here, and he's going, <laughs> true story, I told my boss and my co-workers that Dr. Kevorkian was, uh, going to deliver my baby. Dr. Kevorkian was a, was a death doctor, if you guys remember him. Uh, in fact, he just got his license revoked, I think it was that year, for assisted suicide. He was all over the news. And I remember, they were like, Dr. Kevorkian. I was like, do you know him? <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. So, so let me, I was just so nervous. I was so afraid. Um, I remember 13 hours of labor. My mother-in-law was there, who, shout out to my mother-in-law. I know they're watching online as well. Uh, she's the champion of moms, had six children herself. And so I was good if Mama Ellen was there. And I was in good hands. I remember being comforted, feeling good about that. And then when they began to tell my wife that, they wanted to take Felicia Caesarean. Uh, I mean, they did that procedure, the big needle and the othenthesis, that big thing and all of that. And I, I remember when they started talking about surgery, my mother-in-law, who's the champion, she just kind of went like crazy. She started to faint. Dr. Kevorkian had to help her. I mean, this was all going on in the hallway. I'm arguing with Annette. I'm trying to get Melinda ice chips. She says, one more ice chip. I'm going to take your hair and pull it out. I gave her a lot of ice chips, I guess. It was that, that I mean... All of this was happening. My mother-in-law, who was my, you know, my champion, I was like, she's losing. Next thing you know, I'm in a robe. I'm in this outfit. I'm in the emergency room. And Felicia was delivered and entered the world. And let me tell you what happens, what you all have experienced as a parent, is I got to hold her first. And when I held her for the first time, all of that stuff, the doctor, Kevorkian, whatever, it didn't matter Looked into her little eyes. She had my lips. I remember looking, just a beautiful, perfect little baby gift right there that God has given me. And I remember how awesome that feeling was. And we, you know, got to sit there for a few minutes. And I remember going downstairs, uh, going outside for a smoke break. And uh, I went out to the little smoking thing there. And I was talking. There was a man there, an older man. I remember it was dark. It was real late at night. And he's like, uh, we started having this conversation. And I said, I just had a baby girl. He said, oh, congratulations. 
And I said, man, I just tell you what, I'm scared to death. And he said, I'm chain smoking. You know, he's, he's like, well, I tell you what, why are you so nervous? I said, well, I'm a, I'm a dad. I'm not ready for it, but also a girl. We don't have girls in my family. We're all boys. I just don't know what I'm happening. He said, well, I've had four daughters. And let me just tell you, he said, there's nothing like a daddy's uh, girl. And he said, God just has a way of giving us the strength to be what we cannot be. This guy, he wasn't, I, don't, I think to this day, to be honest with you, I think he was an angel. He wasn't smoking. Anyway, <laughs> he was there, and I'm telling you, he just made me feel so good, but he was telling, and I remember I walked away, and I went into the uh, room, went back upstairs, and that was the first step that God really began to work into my life, and to say, if you're going to do this thing as a parent, you're going to need my help. And that started me on a journey that, I would, that led me to where I am today. And just 18 months later, I would go through the entire same thing, different doctor, with my second born, Miranda, same thing. And it was just a few years, I was hard-headed, a few years after that, when Miranda was three and Felicia was five, I started to come to church. And my prayer was, I said, God, I just want to do my best as a good dad. I don't want my girls to miss you in their teen years like I did. Father, show me how to raise them the way you want them to be raised. What did I miss? What did I do wrong? What? Show me, God, I don't wanna just have kids in church because that is not the, always uh, the goal. It, it, I mean, get them in church, absolutely. But to, to how do you raise them to know you, God? That was my prayer. That's what began in my life at 25 years old with all of my addictions, all of my hangups, all of my court dates, all of my issues, all of my problems. I did it because God, I believe to this day, God used my family and my girls to push us that way. Long story short, I gave my life to the Lord, started going to church. And when I came across Deuteronomy 6, what we, we just read a little bit of it. I'm going to read more to you as we go. This right here is what changed my life and gave me what uh, instructions from God on how to raise our daughters and to raise our kids. I mean, it's not easy. I mean, it's hard. Just think of the process that brings kids into the world. It's called labor. So it's scary. It could be hard. And even during these times we're living in now, it hasn't gotten any easier, right? But I'm telling you that God has left us an instruction manual here in Deuteronomy 6. Three very simple instructions for us parents. I just want to give them to you today. A six-year-old can understand these, but they're a little bit more deep. Just because it's simple, just because it's, you know, simple doesn't mean it's easy. It's simple that a mom gets pregnant and has a baby. It's simple. But it don't mean it's easy. <laughs> 13 hours of labor is not easy. Uh, and so God's instructions are simple, but doesn't mean they're always easy. And a lot of times we get confused on this, so I wanted to just bring it out. The very first one that he starts off with this whole thing is what our kids need to know. What, what we are, we've been entrusted with these kids. We, are good, we want to be a good steward. So he says to the parents, he starts off with the parents before he even gets to the kids. And he says to the parents that, you, number one, you need, they need to know how to love God. Everybody say, love God. It's not, this isn't the same as believing in God. This is, he said, the number one commandment in all of the Bible is that you, you love the Lord your God with all your heart. Love God. Don't just 
have them believe that there is a God. Everybody has some sort of a sense and belief that, no, there's something different from believing in God to loving God. We've been really going deep in this on, on Wednesday nights, how in John chapter 12, it says there were the, some disciples who believed in Jesus, but they wouldn't publicly confess him because they loved their positions more than the praises of God. They loved the praises of men. So they believed, but they wouldn't live out loud. They wouldn't live that Christian life. They wouldn't let everybody know. They wouldn't come out of the closet. They believed, but they didn't come out of the closet. Why? Because it wasn't the love. They didn't love the Lord by God. They loved themselves more than they loved God. There's a whole difference there. And God is saying to the parents, he said, listen, I want you to teach them how to love me. How do you teach someone? How do we teach our kids to love anything? Well, we got to have it first in our heart, parents. We got to first have it in our heart. You heard me as I charged the parents today. This is biblical, even used Deuteronomy 6, because we can't give something to our kids that we don't have ourselves. And when my girls got saved and when we got saved, what happened first? I actually got a call from uh, Dave Decker, uh, actually our drummer's father who is living in Virginia, I believe now, but he had a church in Lincoln Park. He just opened it, and it's like God knew that God was working in my life. No one else knew that God was, and I knew he was, and I don't know where I get this call from Dave Decker, and he says, hey, Eddie, I've known him my whole life. He's been friends with my family, my dad, since childhood, and he started the church in Lincoln Park. We're living in Melvindale, and he said, hey, Eddie, we just started the church and wanted to know if uh, he's smart. He, he knew I would say no if he invited me to church. So he said, I want to know if it'd be okay if, if Terry and I come picked up your, your kids. You got two daughters, right? And I was like, okay. I'm thinking, hey, Sunday off. I said, yeah, you can come get my girls and, and pick them up. And that was the summer of 1997. And, and they came and began to pick up my daughters and take them to church. We had a couple hours every Sunday morning. I mean, I'm getting ready for football. I'm getting my drink out. I mean, I'm getting, you know, over a hangover. And I'm ready to do it all over again, living just the rest of my day off. I mean, we're ready to watch games. And that's our life. That's where we were. And Felicia and Miranda would get home around 12, 1 o'clock. And I remember coming in and, and Melinda bought them some little dresses for church and, and all of that. And every single time, I remember having this little prick in my heart, you know, like, Ugh. But, you know, and I, I would try to justify it. Well, I teach my girls to believe in God. See, that's the first thing that happens when, when we're confronted with this scripture of loving God. We start throwing up, well, you know, I, you know I, I believe in God. You know, I'm good just the way I am. And that's not true at all. And I wasn't at all. Long story short, the girls begin to talk about Jesus, what they learned at church. And man, I'd sit there and would have to hear it from my daughters, and, and that was all a part of the plan, and you know, I've told you this before, but that old song with Jesus in the family, happy, happy home, my daughters would sing that song to us, and even when we would get into an argument, Melinda and I, because you can he hear us arguing all the way down the street, and you would hear us going, and my girls would say, with the devil in the family, fussy, fussy home, fussy, fussy home, they would sing those songs, but with Jesus in the family, happy, happy home, and I was like, I hate everything about this, you ain't going to church no more. All of that began to just push us and bring us to the Lord. And so when I got saved, that's the first thing I did. It says, God, I want to I love you. I want to know who you are. And you got to grow in this love. You have to grow in your love for God. We use this kind of phrase in relationships, in human relationships, right? You hear people say, well, uh, I love that person, but I'm not in love with them. 
You ever hear that? Well, I broke up with them because I loved them, but I wasn't in love. I mean, we use that kind of language. Well, there are some people that have that same type of language when you, they describe the relationship with God. They love God, but are you in love with God? Let, let, me, just, let me just show you that. That's what he's saying here. Number one, when it comes to winning at home, is you got to love. For, and, and let me just say this. Kids will follow our lead. So you've got to get it into your heart first, mom and dad, and then you've got to get it into your home. Notice the scriptures. He didn't even mention the synagogue one time. He said, no, this is something you do at home. This is something you do when you walk, when you go out for baseball, when you go for walks, when you're laying them down at night, when you're getting up in the morning. You've got to honor me in your home. And when you honor me in your home, whatever we celebrate at home as parents, whatever we, we honor at home as parents, whatever we make a big deal about at home, whatever pattern we are setting at home, I'm telling you, it automatically will get into our kids, good or bad. I mean, and there are things that aren't bad. They're just, you know, sports families. Like, I love football. And both my daughters now, they, they're still struggling with the love and football thing. But, hey, man, they, uh, they, they, they like football. But you see this in, in families that are sports families. Many, many of you like things now because your mom or dad introduced them to you. Certain sports you love the hunt, you love the whatever, uh, certain colors, certain foods that you never, never even like, certain traditions. Some of you have a family tradition of running, uh, doing the marathon on Thanksgiving downtown Detroit. And, and your mom or your dad or your grandparents, somebody started that tradition, and you can hate running, but you do it because it's something that your mom did. I'm telling you, this also works in the kingdom of God and in spiritual matters. If we honor the word of God, if we love God, and, and, and we magnify God at home, it has a way of impacting our kids. Right? What is glorify? And we've learned this in this series. Whatever we glorify... Glorify means to magnify, means to make easy. If I drop something, right, you use a magnifying glass to make it easier to find. So when we glorify God, whatever we glorify at home, we're, make it, we're, we're making it easier for our kids to see it, good or bad. We can bring them to church and they can learn lessons at River Kids. But at home, if we talk about leadership, if we talk about our neighbor, if we complain about this, if we talk about our, this person, if we're not forgiving, if we're holding grudge and we're, we're not living in front of life, I'm not trying to put pressure on it. I'm just telling you what the enemy tries to do. And, and the kids will begin to cling on to that. I'm telling you. And they will begin to hold on to that. This is one of the ways the enemy uses to get to our kids. And you hear down the road, well, I've raised them in church, what happened? You can also do everything right and they can still mess up. Because God did everything right with Adam and Eve, but yet they still did what they wanted to do. So I'm just, I want to, don't put anybody under feeling condemned or anything like that, but I am trying to bring awareness to one of the things that we tend to do, we tend to do as Christians is think, because we bring them to church, that's the same. I sent my kids to church, but I saw a change in our family when I brought my kids to church. And when they begin to see me love the Bible, when they begin to see me 
read my Bible, dad sitting on the couch and reading my Bible instead of holding my 40 ounce and going outside to smoke something, instead of having my friends over and being downstairs partying every night. When they begin to see me treat my wife as good, I was mag- I was making it easy for them to see God. Oh, I know God is loving because my dad showed me that. I know my God is forgiving because mama is forgiving. I, I-, I know God is a God of-, of righteousness because my mom and dad ain't perfect, but they've lived a righteous life. And, and when they did struggle they told me about it and and they talked to us about God is saying talk to your kids about this yeah woman in our church you know a while back you know raised in church raised her kids in church and she fell in her faith big time it impacted her kids impacted the whole family that's just how it is and and I remember talking with them and and she she looked at me she said well pastor Eddie what do I do now I can't tell them how to be a Christian because I blew it. And I said, well, I know, we all blow it. I said, you can show them something that's even greater because they're gonna learn to blow it themselves. That's human nature. Show them something that they don't see a whole lot of in today. Show them something that we don't celebrate as a culture. Show them how to get back up. Show them that even though you may not have knew Deuteronomy 6 when you raised your kids and now they're adult and they're grown, show them that you can walk up and say, hey, I didn't do everything right, but I'm going to make sure I finish better than the way I started. I'm in it now, and I'm following after God, and I love him now, and I want to grow in my love for God. I want to love, grow in my love for God. That's Deuteronomy 6. Timothy has this experience as a young man. Paul says, when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, but it was first in your grandmother, Lois, and then it was in your mother, and I am persuaded that it is in you too. You see how that that just has a way of just transitioning and just being handed right down to our kids. God says, do the same thing. Show them how to love me. My mom and dad modeled that so well, how much they love God. And, and listen, you know, to sum it up, it don't mean that you're perfect. It just means that God is a priority. The house of God was a priority. And I mean, not into a legalistic thing. You go on vacations, you work, whatever things are going to happen. Like I said, at work one time, I remember I went for a two-week vacation. And, uh, you know, people sometimes, when they know you're a Christian, they just kind of just sit and watch. And they wait for you to slip up. How many know what I'm saying? There, there you go. <laughs> That's how the religious people did Jesus. They came early to get a front seat to cr- criticize what he would not say. Imagine that. Every Sunday, that was Jesus. And I remember at work, you know, I wasn't real preachy at work, but I did have a good relationship with several coworkers because I worked with them. And they knew my life, and I got to win some of them to the Lord. And It's a phenomenal story, but I'll never forget I went on this two-week vacation. There was just one guy. It's always one guy. And this guy would always love to argue about dinosaurs to me. And, and if God already knows if I'm going to go to heaven or not, why should I even get saved? I mean, th- th- this guy was that guy. He was, he was always, you know, trying to do it. And I would, I, you know, I, I would have to answer these questions. I would say, hey, uh, you know, are you going to go to work tomorrow? Yeah. I said, well, why come if you already know you're going to come? You know, are you going to get paid this week? Well, if I go to work, I said, then why, why, why come? You know, I would always have to have these disputes. One of his favorite things, one time I got in his office and, and I was writing for vacation, putting in our vacation. I was taking two weeks off, so I was going to miss a Sunday or two. And we were going on vacation and, and he goes, uh, oh, Eddie, you're going to miss church? 
I don't even know he was in the room. Sometimes you don't even know these guys are there. It's like, whoa, where'd you come from? You know what I'm saying? And I'm talking with my other friends, you know, at, at work, and, and it's like everybody got quiet. Let's hear what the man says. And I say, yeah, it's simple. I just take God with me everywhere I go. Well, Eddie don't believe in dinosaurs. That's what he said. That's exactly what I said. I said, first of all, I believe in dinosaurs. I just never seen one. I wasn't there when God made it. Were you there, Dwayne? With your little hair plug? I mean, I mean, I was, hallelujah. You take God with you everywhere you go. Why? We are the church. We are the church. It's not, it's not a building that God's looking for. It's in our heart. That's the first point. This is the kind of stuff that will make a difference to our kids forever. You've got to teach them to love God. You teach them how to love God. Teach them how to love his word, how to honor his word. Teach them why we give. Teach them, teach them uh, let them see us give and serve and, and worship the Lord. Serve the Lord. Let them see that happen. That's what if this first scripture is all about. Second thing, how to love God is number one. Number two, how to live for God. He goes right into, after you get it into your heart, then he says teach. Teach, that's information. Give them, give them the teaching. There's two ways that we teach our kids how to live for God. One is teaching, one is training. The first one is simply teaching. You can go to Matthew 5, Jesus' most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. Go through that chapter, he teaches how to pray. We need to teach our kids how to pray. When you need to, he teaches them how to treat people. He, he says, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Treat people. Forgive people. He taught about purpose, a city on a hill, and your identity. I mean, he taught about that. That's teaching. That's, that's things that we need to do as parents is to teach our kids. This is what God's word says. You know, when, when they come home and, and they say these things, we need to be able to say, hey, this is what God's word says. And that's easy. That's teach. It's not easy, but it's something that we need to do at home as well as River Kids. I love our curriculum that we use here, Orange. We picked that out on purpose because it's saturated with scripture. Uh, and the River Kids leaders and teachers, they, you guys know that are involved with it, how much scripture is involved. Every month is, is a series and they teach our kids and, and get that word into them. But we also need to do that at home and to teach our kids how to do this and, and make it simple. I, I would use Barbie dolls with my girls and sit down with them and I would, I would let them say, this is God, this is Jesus and this is what happened, Jesus came. And I would, I would, you know, they're three and five and four and six and I would teach them the difference between a religion, a religious person and a relationship. A relationship is someone who believes in Jesus and does what he says. A religious person just does what he says in front of people and, and they're hypocrites and I, I would teach that, that it needs to get into your heart and, and I would try my best to just teach that the best I can. So God says, teach your children. These are teachable moments. and you don't got to be all preachy. You can be teaching with them. But he also says to train a child. Proverbs 22 says this. You guys know it. Train up a child in the way they should go. And when they're old, they what? Will not depart from it. They may zigzag in the middle. But when we teach and when we train... Now let me divide the room right here with this word train. Are you ready? The word train, you look it up in the Hebrew word. It's a Hebrew word. Can't pronounce it. The very first de definition means to initiate or discipline. To train up. Discipline. Train a child. Discipline. This is a... Where are we getting, I know there's many different methods of discipline, but let me just bring this out. This is, this is what six-year-olds need to know. This is what children need to know, is that there are boundaries in life. 
Come on. Mamas are good for it. My mama was good. Let me show you my dad's favorite scripture. It's in Proverbs 23. Do not fail to discipline your child. The rod of punishment won't kill them. That's my dad's favorite scripture. You've heard the, the, the scripture or the saying, spare the rod, spoil the child. This is where they get that from. And it says, you know, to do that. And let me give it to you in the Message Bible. The Message Bible, I love it even more. It says, don't be afraid to correct your young ones. A spanking won't kill them. A good spanking, in fact, might save them from something worse than death. Now, I, listen, you all know where I say, I believe in spanking. I know some of you don't. I don't believe in hitting and, and abusing and hitting out of anger and abusing your child. The Bible does not stand for that either. But I believe in spanking. I know some of you don't. We can agree to disagree, however you do. I had two daughters. They were different, like night and day. One, I think, got two spankings in her whole life. The other one, one service I took her out of church because of her, wouldn't go in the children's program. I mean, this was a all-service deal. Took her to the parking lot seven times and had to communicate to her gluteus maximus until her vein got up to her brain. And, and no, I, had to do, I tried everything. You know, and we tried bribing, we tried everything. I mean, I mean every, but listen, and I've seen it as a... As a parent, we've all seen it, and, and this is a, I'm being lighthearted about it, but this is a serious, we can disagree on spanking if you don't want to spank, but listen, this is something we must not disagree on, and that is to communicate boundaries and to discipline our children. We must learn to do that. We must learn, this is a part of being a good steward, is that we say, little Johnny, do not ride your bike in the road. Because if they do, you know, and if you catch them, you need to discipline them. You need to do something there. They need to learn because you're saving them from something worse that could happen in their life. That's why guardrails are on the freeway. This is why the commandments are given to us in the Bible. It's not that God doesn't want us to have any fun. It's like those things lead to destruction and addiction and pain. And I love you too much. So I will discipline you even if I have to, as I did with King David. And even in the book of Hebrews, God says, I discipline my children whom I love. This is a part of life that we have got to learn that we must, there's consequences if we break this. Why is this so important? Please hear me today. This is the most important thing I'll say ever about discipline, and it's so true as this. I am convinced that the reason why our children that do not submit their will to God when, when they are adults is because they never learn to submit their will to parents. I believe that. I believe that. Because if they don't learn to submit their will to you, they won't submit to the teacher. They won't submit to the principal. They won't submit to the law enforcement. They won't submit to this, to that. And eventually they won't what? Submit to God. You see how that is. And many of us struggle with this so much of submitting ourselves to God because most of us did not receive enough discipline. And in this area in our own lives as growing up, ask yourself that. Me, on the other hand, that was my dad's favorite scripture. He did everything he could to try to break that in me. And he grounded, he took everything away, he tried everything. And I still had that rebellion in me. But I will tell you this, I would not be standing in this pulpit today as an ordained minister 
as a pastor, as a chaplain for our Van Buren police, all the, the accolades and everything I have achieved in life, I would not be here today if my mom and dad would not have disciplined me the way that they did. And I just want to say it works. Don't be afraid. Do it in love. Do it the right way. But we must, as parents, to be a good steward of our children, communicate boundaries to our children. That's what it means to train up your child. Amen. Give God a hand. I'm closing. This is the most important part of my message. I, this is what I wanted to get to, is they need to learn how to love God, how to live for God, and how to last for God. This was my prayer when I first got saved. I said, God, how do I train and teach my children that they would last? They would live for you through the teenage years, through the young adult years. And no one's perfect. We've all struggled in that area. But God, how, how do I do my best? And he says it to us here in the chapter of six, what we read. He begins to go on and he says to them, when you get into your later years and you go into the season of blessing, look at verse 12. I think it's on the screen. He says, beware that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Look at verse 20. Again, this is how to make them last. In the future, in the future, when they're grown up and they're, they're, young, they're teenagers or adolescents, teenagers, young adults, but when they, in the future, when, they, when your son says, what's the meaning of all these stipulations? Why, why are we have the degrees, the decrees, the laws of the Lord, the commandments? Why do we got to do this? Why do we worship the way we worship? Why do we got to do this? Why does God want us to do this? Why do we read our Bible? Why do we give? Why do we serve? Why do we love God? Why, why do we do all of these things? Your kids are going to ask you. God said, this is the most important part. Tell him. Everybody say, tell him. God burned this in my heart years ago that this is where I missed it as a teenager. And this is where many of us miss it. Tell them. Because when you were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt, it was the Lord that brought you out with a mighty hand. It was the Lord that commanded us to follow all these statutes and to fear him and love him, uh, our God, for our own good always. Here's the point. How do we do that? We last by remembering the why. The why. When we forget the why, the what becomes harder. When you forget the why, you should come to church. Why you should read your Bible. When you forget why, it's a work. It's legalism. It's a religious duty. And it's not out of desire. So God says to prevent that from happening, I want you to write it on the, on the walls. I want you to constantly tell your children what? Remind them. Look, we took communion today. Why did Jesus say that? Because we have a tendency to forget how good God has been to us. He says when your 401k is fat, and you got two cars and a boat and a nice house. Don't you matter, make sure you don't forget that there was a time when you couldn't pay attention and I was still right there with you. That's when you were given. That's when you were worshiping. When you were sick, you were calling out to me, asking for me to heal you and asking for me when you are in trouble. But now that you are walking and you are blessed and you are fruitful, beware that you don't forget that I've been there with you all along. Don't forget. Don't forget to tell your kids, even when you don't feel like it, we got to go to church. Why? Because God's been good to me. 
I tell my daughters when we would write checks for tithing, when we would come to church and we would put it in and we would serve on Saturday and Wednesday and Friday. And I took my first vacation to hand out flyers at Parkwood and there for the turkey giveaway and all these things. And I don't want to sound like this righteous man, but I would make sure I stopped and said, I, I did this because there was a time when daddy wasn't doing so good. When mama and daddy weren't doing so good, we were broken. I don't know what your testimony is. Maybe yours is, there was a time that, man, I was lonely. My marriage needed fixing. There was a time when I was depressed. There was a time, and I don't know what your story is, but this is the so important part that God tells parents to make sure you tell them the why. This is why we do what we do. Because he's given us eternal life, Miranda and Felicia. We're going to die one day, honey. Daddy's not going to be here forever. One day you're going to hear, Daddy, Eddie Markham, James Edward Markham has died. Don't believe it for a moment. I've never been more alive in my life. Hallelujah, Jesus. I've never been more alive in my life. I'm running those hills and those streets of gold with King David. He's my boy. I'm running right next to Elijah. I'm walking right next to Peter. Wanting to know if he got that tongue ever under control. But then I'm going to say, move aside, boys. Let me see the one with the nail-scarred hand. Let me see the one who paid the price for me. That's my Jesus. Baby, this is why we worship. This is why we, we fight against the culture. This is why when they come home and say, Daddy, everyone's telling me that I should be a boy or I don't know what I am anymore. I'm all confused. This is why we sit them down and we tell them because God says, listen, he's got a better life. Not only what he has done for us, did you catch the end of that verse? He says, tell this to your children because these, if you live the life I've chosen you to live, what did he say? It will be better for you. So this is what I tell people all the time and I'm closing is this. When they ask me about being a Christian, I say, it's simply this. It's simply a better life. It's simply a better life. Even if you got to walk through some very dark valleys in your life, you got somebody that said they're never going to leave you nor forsake you. This is why. Don't forget the why, mom and dad. Don't forget the why. This is how we be good stewards. Amen. Can we stand to our feet? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's just bow our heads right now. Whether you're here or you're in the building, let's bow your heads right now. Listen to my voice as I just close this out and with an invitation. I don't know what your story is. You're here today. You're watching online. Maybe your mom is home today and you're in the house and you hear me preaching and getting a little excited, getting a little loud. Like, what's that guy yelling about? What's he talking about? I just want to ask you a question. If you died right now, do you know for sure you would go into heaven? I know one of the greatest gifts we can ever give mom is to her to know that we are walking with the Lord. Third John, I was going to give this scripture to you. It's Third John verse 4. It says, there's no greater joy in my life to know that my children are walking in the truth. Isn't that the best blessing ever, moms, to know your kids are walking with the Lord? 
So I just want to ask you today on this Mother's Day, how awesome would it be if you asked Jesus Christ into your life and made him the Lord of your life? You can do that right now with every head bow, every eye closed right now. Those of you at, at home, it's just for you as well. You say, pray for me today, Pastor Eddie. I want to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I want to pray for you. Just lift your hand up. Lift your hand up. Just lift your hand. Let me pray for you today. We have these every single week. If you're at home, say, pray for me today. Put that in the chat there. We want to pray for you today. Accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. We want to walk with you. How many parents would here be here today? Say, Pastor Eddie, man. I, I need I need to I need God's help and His grace to help me do these to my kids today. Can you pray for me? How many parents would just lift your hands today and say, "Pray for me"? I hear Deuteronomy six, Amen, Amen, Amen. I want to pray over all of you today. Hallelujah. None of us are perfect, as I said. But what God is expecting is that we make Him a priority. We can do it by His grace. Let me just pray over you today, right now, Father, in the name of Jesus. I thank you for this church. I thank you for all the lives sitting here, all the families represented here at this church and watching online. God, you are doing something. Your your mission and your goal is to have a family that knows you, that loves you, that lives for you, and will last. And so, Father, I pray over every parent here, every parent that is going soon to be parent, that maybe not be one right now grandparent, uncle, aunt, foster parent, future foster parent. Father, we have those gifts right there in us. Lord, that this message would go deep down into our hearts today. We would remember this word forever, God, when it comes to our kids. Deuteronomy 6 is left for us parents. And I pray over every parent here today. Father, help us to walk in these ways. Give us those desires to desire this for our kids more than anything else. Thank you for the sports and the vacations and all the things that we're able to enjoy. But God, what does it profit if when we die, we don't find them with you in heaven? That's why you sent Jesus, Lord. Help us to see the urgency in that. And God, and live our life accordingly to that, God. And I pray help parents to have that courage to walk in that and want that for their kids. In Jesus' name. And Lord, I pray all of, a blessing over all of our moms, all of our grandmoms today. Father, thank you for the mother, and I pray a blessing upon them. Let them have a blessed day, a blessed weekend, Father, if they haven't already, Lord. I cause your face to shine upon us, Lord, as we go our own separate ways, Lord. And be with us, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you. Well, amen and amen. I pray that message was a blessing to you, that you received some sort of encouragement or word of instruction from the Lord. That's our prayer at River of Life, that every time you tune in, that God speaks directly to your heart. Well, this is Pastor Eddie again. Just want to say thank you for listening to our podcast and remind you that every Tuesday, a new message is uploaded. Also, if you want to watch one of our services, head over to our YouTube channel. It's River of Life Church, a church of his presence his promises and all people and you can watch one of our services that way as well so god bless you i pray god's presence be with you uh, for the rest of the week amen